everybody, and welcome back to the Let's Level Up podcast. My name is Rick Perez, and I am joined today by Ed Marriott. He is the designer of Scoville, the hottest game around town. I think that's the tagline. Did I get that right, Ed? Sounds good. The hottest game? <laughs> Um, before we get started with Ed um, and, and, and talking about Scoville, I had a quick few things to say. Uh, very minor, almost routine at this point. But um, if you're hearing this podcast for the first time, please check us out at letslevelup.net. We have a ton of different board game, video game, card game content that we provide, both reviews and play sessions. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Let's Level Up. And also on Facebook at letslevelup.net. And all of that information is available on our course site. And if you haven't already subscribed on YouTube, please do so because it's very, very awesome when you do that. At least for me, it is. Um, I don't know how much you guys are getting out of it, but I know I get a whole lot. So, <laughs> and by that, I mean uh, 22 cents in ad revenue, probably. I think that's what I'm at to now. Um, uh, Ed, uh, you can follow Ed at on Twitter at Ed P Marriott, and you can also follow Tasty Minstrel on Twitter at Tasty Minstrel. And uh, Tasty Minstrel is the publisher that um, Ed has, I guess, uh, assuming you brought Scoville to them, and um, they decided uh, to go ahead and say, "Yeah, let's do this." Yeah. So it what's, worked out pretty well. What is that process like? You you develop an idea, or you you have a game, and I talked a little bit with uh, Seth about this on the last episode, but. You have, from a development standpoint, you have a game that you want to pitch. Did you shop around the idea to other people, or, or how's your relationship with Tasty Minstrel formed? So I think my case is a little different than than the industry norm. Uh, in my case, I did a lot of networking on the front end. So I had met Michael and Seth from Tasty Minstrel back at Gen Con 2012, and at the time, I didn't really have a game that was for them. You know, they, they liked doing the meaty Euro games, and I didn't have one. Um, but I knew they were a company that I would like to work with in the future, and I wanted to get to know them and learn about their publishing philosophy and everything that they do and try to get some insider info just on the industry in general because I was relatively new with all that stuff at the time. Mm -hmm. So I approached them, and we were demoing Kings of Air and Steam, which was their, their kind of big Euro game at the time. And I had the pleasure to go out and have dinner with Michael uh, one night at Gen Con. And it was great because he gave me a lot of great advice about how to kind of get into the industry and who to talk to and all sorts of that stuff. So my first connection with Tasty Minstrel Games was just a pure networking connection. Um, so ultimately, I had known Michael and Seth by the time I even came up with Scoville. Huh. And then I took Scoville to a... a board game designers convention called Protospiel Milwaukee in March last year. And they weren't there, but um, Scoville was really well received and people tweeted about it and, and blogged about it. And because Tasty Minstrel knew me, they weren't afraid to approach me and ask me for a copy. And uh, that was something I was glad to be able to send to them. So by that time I had a game that fits their kind of realm of Euro games and <clears throat> it just kind of worked out to make that connection. That's awesome. So uh, for the people who may not know what Scoville is, it is a current Kickstarter project, and it is a, um, a Euro-style game, but do you want to give them kind of the 1,000-foot the, the view of Scoville? Gladly, yeah, sure. So Scoville is a game about breeding and harvesting hot peppers. The town of Scoville likes it hot, but they spend <laughs> all their time eating the peppers that they don't have enough time to plant them, and that's where you come in. You've been hired by the town to meet their need for heat. 
And the way you do that is by planting and crossbreeding and harvesting hot peppers that you can use to fulfill their every wish and desire. You can fulfill their market orders, or you can compete in the chili cook-off to create the hottest recipes, and the hotter the recipe, the more points you get. The overall idea of the game is it's Euro-ish in nature, but it's got a really fun theme, and players do an auction to determine the player order in a round. After the auction is set, then everybody takes one of their own peppers and plants it in the fields. You're like literally planting it in the field. And after everybody has planted a pepper, you can move your farmer meeple and harvest crossbreed peppers. And there's a nice chart that lets you determine which peppers you're going to get. And after everybody is harvested, then you can fulfill the town's desires by fulfilling market orders and recipes. It's a pretty simple game from a mechanics perspective, but because of the way the interaction in the fields works, there's really a lot of strategic depth to the game. That's kind of the overall view. Yeah, and I'll say from from looking at the Kickstarter project, I think I saw it pretty close to day one if you go if you, uh, of the launch. Um, I really, again, it has that that tasty minstrel flair of the artwork, and everything feels so fun. And uh, when mm, I looked yeah. at it, I, I just kind of you know smiled to myself. I was like, this just just seems like a lot of fun. But from what I understand, uh, Scoville's actually evolved in concept a bit as you're doing the design process, right? Yeah, so when I first came up with the design, it wasn't anything like what it currently is. It was a set collection card game, and it wasn't even going to be a big box game. It was supposed to be like two decks together, and the idea was <laughs> you would collect like a set of three red cards and a set of three yellow cards, and then you could turn those in for an orange card. And then you'd have to get a set of three orange cards and a set of three purple cards to turn them in for a brown card. And and if you do the math on that, you've got to collect like 40 red cards before you can even do anything fun in the game. And and before I even made a prototype, I knew that that wasn't the approach I wanted to, to go with the game. But from the beginning, it was always a theme-first idea. I, I really like the idea of the Goville hotness scale where peppers are rated by how hot they are. And I thought that would make a fun game theme because I hadn't seen one out there. And so I, I turned it in from a set collection card game to more of a board game like what we have in the Kickstarter campaign, where it has that Euro feel, but it's got a theme that's less boring than building a castle <laughs> or canals or something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's... Um, when it comes to eating peppers, um, I, I tend to try... Um, a lot of different kinds, but always regret my decision almost immediately. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I um I have a very mild, uh, I guess, palate. Anything past a jalapeno, mm -hmm. I just start to tear up and get red and start to sweat. It's just it's just all around nasty. Um, are you much yeah. of a pepper guy? Uh, unfortunately, I'm not. I don't <laughs> okay. really care for the spice. It's you know, I, I've been telling people I wish I had started eating them so that when I've been doing stuff like this, they can say, oh, yeah, he's a pepper fan. He's one of us. But, <laughs> no, I, we, were, we had a board game night the other night, and one of my friends brought this. Uh, it was habanero and ghost pepper cheese. Oh, and wow. He was making his, and, you know, the, the tagline on the Kickstarter page is, feel the burn. Well, I, I felt the burn. This stuff was really, really – I took the smallest little piece – and my mouth felt numb for like 20 minutes. Oh, that's crazy! It was amazing yeah, in a I, bad way. I had I had a friend once who ate uh, who ate two dried ghost peppers, 
um, with, without any sort of just just straight from the box and, and ate him, and he he did not wow. enjoy that at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, um, I guess we we talked a little bit about how the, you know uh, Scoville originated, and a little bit of um, you know of, of having the introductions with Taste Dimensional and whatnot. Um, you know, why Kickstarter? Was that something that Taste Dimensional proposed um, just to get the game uh, able to be printed? Yeah, so Tasty Minstrel uses Kickstarter now um, for, I think, all of their projects. And from a business perspective, there's really a lot of advantages to doing it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, the biggest reason is it's such a great gauge of the market for any given game type. I mean, you could do a minis game and make $200,000 easily, even if it's a really bad game. Uh -huh. But Tasty Minstrel does games like this that are a Euro game where this is a different kind of theme and it's got unique mechanics and it's simple, but it's got deep strategy. And so by using the Kickstarter approach, it really allows them to gauge the market and lower their risk by being able to determine how much of a print run they should do. And so it, it, that's how their business works. And I think it's working pretty well for them. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy the... Uh, there's a lot of people, at least in the in the board gaming media, who have who have kind of soured on Kickstarter, just the idea of it as a whole. I don't know if they've been burnt too many times as well. But me being kind of the new guy on the scene, I look at it and think of, oh, this is a great way to help support a game that I'm passionate about, and help get a project out uh, that may not otherwise see a shelf if I don't, uh, you know, if if we don't chip in now. Not only are we gonna get a copy of the product, but we're probably gonna get it sooner than everybody else is. And there's nice. I like. I like. Sometimes you get the the different backing rewards and things like that. So it, to me, it's always a win win. I haven't been burnt yet, though. I guess you should say. <laughs> and uh, and for anybody yeah. listening to this, Tasty Minstrel is a a, a very reputable uh, company, and I don't think that would ever should ever be a concern with anybody when looking at this particular project. Right. Yeah, that's one of the things. Tasty Minstrel has a pretty good name at this point with their Kickstarter success. I mean, they've had these pay-what-you-want campaigns. I think the first one with Coinage, mm -hmm. was it like $60,000 for a $3 minimum? That's pretty impressive. So Yeah, that's um, that's very yeah. impressive. Yeah, and I don't know what this town is at, but I've, bought a, uh, I've got this town already backed um, after talking with Seth last week. Um, that, that's another fun one, it looks like. Yeah, it looks like a fun, fun little tiling game. Yeah. Uh, did you... Um, just talking about design and development, is, is Scoville your first project, or what other sort of projects have you had in the past few years? And really, when did you get started developing games? So I started designing games back in 2010, and at the time I really didn't know what I was doing. But my first game was all about brewing beer, and it was this heavy, intricate worker placement game that had everything in the kitchen sink in it, and it wasn't a, a great design, and it would have been a nightmare to balance and playtest and balance and playtest, and... Um, my advice for early designers, though, who are, who are trying to get into it is just start doing it. Start making prototypes. Write down all your ideas. Keep a notebook of all your mechanics that you come up with and just make your prototypes and start playtesting. And the more you do it, the more you'll learn. It's, very, it's a very hands-on learning experience for game designers. But my first game was about beer, and now I can't really <laughs> do that because of... Ben Rossett and Dice Hate Me with their Brew Crafters game, which looks really awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've been designing since 2010. I've had a few games along the way. I've had one rejection from a publisher for a game that I probably shouldn't have submitted, but 
But again, that was a learning experience too. And so Scoville will be my first published design, which is very exciting, and it has been a great learning experience as well. Um, But, yeah, I have a few other games I'm working on. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, I definitely, this goes without saying, but wish you luck on Scoville. I haven't checked in about a week or, uh, or so, but um, right now it's it's February 10th. Where where are you at as far as um, Scoville's uh, backing? So Scoville funded over the weekend on Saturday. Oh, awesome. Congrats. Yeah. It was a pretty exciting day on Saturday, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I bet. Now, <laughs> now it's up to about 43000 we're closing in on that first stretch goal and looking up from there. Nice. Now, so Scoville's going to play uh, two to five players. Is that right? Uh, it's two to six players. Two to six players. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, I didn't. Uh, was one of the stretch goals originally to get a sixth position, and that was brought Correct. into the. So, okay, yeah. Yeah, so when the campaign originally launched, the fifth player and the sixth player components and all that were stretch goals. And that's, uh, you know, on the publishing side of things, you think about things differently than a designer. As mm-hmm. a designer, I made it a six-player game because I like six-player games. They work well with large groups, and sure. uh, it, it's just great. But as the designer, I don't think about the cost of the extra player screens and the extra player pawns and the extra orders and recipes you need in the game and the extra cubes you need in the game. and All that stuff is stuff I recommend to designers now to consider. But at the time that I designed the game, I didn't. However, Tasty Minstrel listened to the fans who left comments on the page, <laughs> and they decided to throw them into the game. That's and I awesome. think that was a great move on their part. I mean, how often do you see companies really pay attention to the fans like that? I, I think it was a great move. Yeah, that's that's you know, from what I understand, that's something that Tasty Minstrel is kind of known for is uh, interaction with their player base, and uh, you know, making mm-hmm. sure that they're that that core group of loyal fans that they have are, are satisfied. Yeah. Um, you know, that's something that's, that's interesting. So you have a, you have an idea for Scoville and it's a six player game and you, you pitched to tasty menstrual. And at first they say, ah, you know what? That's just a little too pricey. But if we hit X, X amount of thousands over our goal, you know, we can, we can accommodate that because now we have the cushion. Is that something that is a bit of a, uh, I mean, how much feedback do you have with that during the design or during this process? Is it something that's just like, okay, well, we can, we'll make it four players if, and, and hopefully it funds all the way. Um, or is that something yes. that you just have to say, okay, that, that you, whichever you say goes type thing. Yeah, basically. I think that they really know what they're doing from the business end and the designers they work with really know what they're doing on the design end. And so there's this kind of handoff where the designer signs the contract, gives them the game, and, and from there it's ultimately the call of the publisher to do what they want or need to do with the game. Uh-huh. And while I've been involved in the conversations, um, I have kind of let myself take a back seat because I don't know what to do on the publisher end, and they do. Sure. And so it's been my job to sit back and, and watch them do what they do. And how are you enjoying that process so far? I mean, I, I always wonder if I if I put something out there as close to as, you know, this is your first published game now, uh, or will be. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you just got to be a ball of nerves and, and, and anxious. And what are some of the feelings you feel throughout this whole process? 
everything you mentioned and so much more. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of the hardest things to put into words. My friends told me that when the Kickstarter launched that I shouldn't be allowed to look at the campaign until it funds, but I've never looked at a website more in my life, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I <laughs> no, can see that. Been, ultimately, I, you know, I got into board game design because I thought it'd be fun. And I do it all because I think it's fun. Mm -hmm. And at the point where it stops being fun, then I'm going to stop doing it. But to see that the game, my game, you know, this game design that I came up with online where people can go and, and spend their own hard-earned money to back this project and to see the enthusiasm that they have about it, that's really, really awesome. Mm -hmm. And that's the sort of thing that really got me into the design anyway. Like knowing that these people are going to end up with my game on their table and they're going to play it and they're going to think it's great. I love that. That's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I walked into um, our, our friendly local game store um, a couple weeks ago. And um, when I walked in, there's this guy who I normally I play test a lot of games with, and he shows me things that he thinks that may be good for the channel and vice versa. And um, he, you know, the first thing I walked in and he said, "Hey, have you heard of Scoville?" And I said, "I sure have. Yeah, yeah, I'm very interested." And actually, I've been talking to Ed on Twitter, and I think we're gonna get him on the podcast. So, um, you know, here we are today, which is awesome. Yeah, that's great. When you hear people talking about your game and bringing it up when. They have no idea that you're standing next to them. That's pretty cool, too. Yeah, I bet. I bet. The, you know what's crazy about that whole thing? That may not mean a lot if I was in, in, in Dallas or Austin, you know, or this, you know, huge uh, metroplexes. But I'm in a town called San Angelo, and we have about 96,000 people in this town. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's definitely a very smaller gaming community. Um uh, I guess per capita, we just we just don't have the number of players, uh, our player base, large enough to to really facilitate what's going on in board gaming right now. So we're just now starting to kind of awaken to this. Uh, you know, what I referred to it before as this renaissance in, in tabletop yeah. gaming. Um, so it's it well, was welcome. very cool to hear that. Yeah, that's exciting. I'm curious, what what games do you play? Um, are you much of a gamer, or are you just more of a designer? I started as a gamer, and that's probably where my heart lies. The uh -huh. design stuff I do kind of on the side for fun, but I run a board game group here in town, and we get together every other week, and it's usually like 7 to 12 people. But we, you know, like uh, Settlers of Catan is kind of a minimum weight of a game that we'll, we'll play. We uh -huh. love trying out all the new games. One of, one of our group went over to Essen this year. They happened oh, to be awesome. in the Netherlands on work, and they got to go to Essen for a day. So That's awesome. We got to try a bunch of the Essen releases right away, which was awesome. Uh, but we just love gaming in general, trying out new things, learning what new mechanics are out there. And, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Anything that um, you mentioned, if you had to put together a top five board game list on the spot? Ooh, yeah, on the spot. Let's see. Scoville? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, some games that I really enjoy, one of them would be Last Will. That game is, is really a lot of fun. I like Uva Rosenberg's kind of heavier games like Agricola and Laav and Aura uh -huh. and Labora. I, I group all those games together. Uh, yeah, I should have wrote a list down. Oh, yeah, I, I should have. Yeah, I should have given you some. <laughs> I should have given you some uh, a head a head notice, I guess. 
No, that's the thing, though. It's so hard for me to, to narrow them down because myself and our group, we like a lot of different games. You know, we the other night we played X-Wing, and we played Belfort, and we played Ingenious. Mm. Oh, and wow. That sounds like a good night. Those are three very different games. So... I actually haven't ever, um, I haven't heard of Ingenious, or, or rather I haven't played it, um, uh, but I have seen X-Wing and of course Belfort we featured on the channel already. Um, I really love Belfort, that game is, is such a such a pleasant game to play. I mean, the the theme and the execution of the, of, of the um, you know, the, your general worker placement type game and, and property management, it's just, it's so fun. And uh, Jay Cormier and uh, Sen did a great job on that one, I think. Yeah, if you can get a chance to pick up the expansion expansion when it's available, I recommend it because we tried it out with that, and it it adds quite a bit to the game. It makes it a lot of fun. Oh, I agree. The uh, the assistance and the expansions uh, to the properties that you build is just it's just awesome, man. Which we also yeah. have a video on that. I think that came out a couple weeks ago. Um, I have nice. no concept of time, so it was two or three weeks ago. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Um, but I was very, very happy to get those and, and to play those because that's been just a just a very, very nice um, uh, process. Um, so it's cold up there. You're in Wisconsin. Um, if you... <laughs> Um, I'm assuming during the winters, do you, you just do a, a lot more gaming than usual, and then the summers you get out there and enjoy the door, the, the outside, or, or or how does that work? The outdoors? That's, yeah, you're you're dead on there. I yeah. mean, <laughs> with it being six degrees outside, I'm not going for any bike rides. Yeah, but it yeah, it's the, the overnight low is supposed to be minus 18 degrees, and I mean, thankfully we have the Olympics to keep us company during these doldrums of winter this year yeah but yeah it's a lot of good gaming you know we get to we get together quite a bit we do the every other week thing but then we have some extra game nights where we just hang out and, and chat but definitely the weather makes us more friendly and conducive to to gaming yeah yeah i have a my, my older brother matthew is is pretty much the same thing you know we've been we've been playing uh uh, role-playing games pretty much since I was a, as a kid and he's in his his late 40s now I believe um, he probably doesn't want me saying that on the air but uh, he, whenever it's summer he lives in Iowa when it's summertime he he does not you can't get a hold of him he's out camping and he's out kayaking but in the winter time he's always blowing up everybody's phones trying to get him to play something because he's just going <laughs> stir crazy it sounds about right. Yeah, we haven't seen grass here for months now. <laughs> we have ours, but it's just brown and sad. Um, well, it's nicer color than white snow. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Did you play much uh, many role playing games growing up? Things like Dungeons and Dragons and whatnot. Not really. Uh, when I was a kid, it was mostly Monopoly or Sorry or Life or Hungry Hungry Hippos or. Any of those type of games. I had older. I had an older brother and an older sister who had a typical game collection. You know, it was Hasbro and Milton sure. Bradley and that sort of stuff. And so uh, my brother and I would play those a lot. It was always Monopoly on Christmas Eve, but I didn't get into what I consider real gaming until probably about 2004, 2005, when I was introduced to Ticket to Ride and the Sellers of Catan. Mm -hmm. But since then, life's been good. Yeah, you know what, and that's something that I've mentioned before on this podcast, but I hear that story 
almost all the time when you're talking about somebody who's yeah. in a board game. It's it's always around the same time as well. You know, it's always the same games growing up, and you know, for the longest time, that's all we thought board gaming was was Monopoly and and Sorry and, mm-hmm. and Clue and you know those games. And then you realize that there's this whole other universe out there, and there's just hundreds and hundreds of games. Um, right. I don't know if you thought about it much, but do you have anything that you think uh, can directly attribute to this rise in, in tabletop gaming popularity? Is it, you know, is it just the, the culture where we're at? Is it just, I have a couple theories on um, it, but I'd like to hear what you think. Sure. Yeah. I think one of them was just that the settlers of Catan came over here to the U S I think when, when that game started to make it big, that might've been 1995. I, I, I don't know. But when that game came over here and people started playing it, it really took things by storm. And, you know, it's like the true gateway game that, that it's like the gateway across the sea. They brought it over here from Germany and, and that kind of got things started. Yeah. That's at least the way I perceived it. Yeah, that makes, well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and it's crazy because we've had tabletop games for so long. It's just been such a, a, a a darker subculture. I say darker. I didn't mean it uh, negatively, but um, right. Uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons has always been there, but I can't, I can't talk my wife into playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons with me. Uh, <laughs> as much as she tried to uh, amuse me, she just wouldn't like it. But we play Catan and we play Ticket to Ride, and she loves games like Dixit and, and things like that. She just can't get into the oh, role yeah. playing. So those really yeah. accessible gateway games is just. Um, Again, it's 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 bred, bred life into the tabletop gaming here. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things about those kind of games is the lack of player elimination. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of them, even like the Sellers of Catan, you're in it till the end. Everybody's playing every turn until the end. Even though you may not actually be in it, you're still playing. Right, right. Where there's some other games where you can get... You're out basically after three rounds, and then the rest of the people are playing. Like, think of Risk, for example. Sure. In Risk, if you get eliminated early on, well, what are you going to do? You're going to go sit and read a book for an hour while everybody <laughs> finishes up? That's just not that fun. Right. Right. <laughs> but with these Euro type games where you don't have that player elimination, where you have catch up mechanics and you have ways to get back into the game and to avoid the runaway leader. Those type of games give this positive emotion where people really relate to the game. They enjoy it because they always feel like they're in it and they're always rewarded for the actions that they take. And there's this positive feedback throughout the whole thing that you don't get in some other games like Risk or mm-hmm. some other older American games like that. Yeah, I agree, definitely. I, I will say it's fun um, when you realize that there's no way you can possibly win. I say it's fun. It really stinks when it happens to you. But when when that last place guy realizes he's in last place, and the only, his only objective at this point is just to screw over who's in first place, right? Uh, I don't know if you have many people like that in your gaming group, but uh, I've got a couple. Well, we have a few. Yeah, it's just one of those. Like, eh, yeah, well, you know, I'm not going to win, so you're not either. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, definitely. We had a game of Eclipse once where two players had this kind of deal the whole game. And then near the end, one of them realized he couldn't possibly win, and so he trashed on the on the deal just so that the other guy couldn't also win. Nice. It was 
It was a great moment for our gaming group. We uh, really learned a lot about each other. Yeah, I, I really enjoy those moments. Um, I don't know if you've gotten many rage gamers. Uh, I generally tend to keep keep myself away from them, but um, uh, we, we played Game of Thrones, the board game, uh, the second edition <laughs> board game, and that's one of those games where you can try to form alliances all you want, but just like just like the nature of the of the source material, it's just going to end badly for everybody but one person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One of our favorite, our favorite, maybe infamous moments was during a game of Carcassonne, where we were using the Count of Carcassonne, and with the Count you can put people in the middle to do extra bonuses that count at the end. And if you put it on the farmer spot, then you can count other people's farms. And I pointed that out to one player who was taking the very last turn. And because I pointed it out to that player, a different player wouldn't have been able to score. And that other player got up and, like, stormed around the house. And <laughs> it ended up one of these really funny stories that we still talk. It was, like, four years ago. We still talk about it. Like, oh, don't make him mad. He's going to walk around the house. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah, we've we've had a couple uh, of those uh, type of occurrences playing resistance. Uh, you know, people mm. get heated, getting called liars and whatnot. Um, oh yeah, that's funny. Um, well, I don't. You know, it's about a half hour now, and that's how we generally like to try to keep these things. And I definitely do, I want to be uh, very conscious of your time. Um, so, is there anything else that you'd like to add as far as Scoville goes, and and what's going on with uh, with you right now? Sure. Yeah. Uh... I highly recommend people check it out on Kickstarter. If you have questions, you can tweet at me. I'll be happy to answer them. It's at Ed P. Marriott, two R's, two T's, like the hotel. People get that wrong. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, if you want to check out my board game and homebrewing ventures, you can check out my blog at boardsandbarley.com. Those nice. are two of the ways you can check out what I've been working on. Nice. I didn't know you are much of a homebrewer. I'm not much of a home brewer, but I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> yeah, I've done, I did four batches last year. I'm going to do six this year, and it's been a lot of fun. Oh, that's awesome, man. I got my, my, one of my older brothers is, is into that as well, and it's, um, he seems to have a really good time with that. Um, well, uh, Ed, I'd like to thank you for your time. I'd like to thank you for making Scoville. The game looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to actually get down there and play it. So um, I wish you... Uh, many, many, uh, I guess, blessings or, or luck or whatever you want to call it in the future <laughs> with this thing. And uh, sure, well, it, it looks like you made a great game, man. I really can't wait to, to check it out. Well, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for your time tonight, and thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. We have to do this again maybe in a couple months or something when you're closer to release. Yeah, that sounds great. Awesome. Well, guys, uh, thank you so much for taking a, another uh, half hour out of your day to listen to this podcast. It's always uh, it's always great to hear feedback on that. Again, if you're not already following us, you can follow us on Twitter at Let's Level Up and uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Smart Radio. And if you're listening to this, uh, please rate and review the podcast because that's going to help us get up the ranks there in the uh, gaming industry here um, as far as uh, gaming podcasts on iTunes. And there's a I know there's a ton of them out there. Um, but not all of them are getting you directly to the source with guys like Ed and Seth and some of the other game developers and publishers that we've had on the show. So um, it's definitely not going to stop anytime soon. We've got, um, I believe, Justin DeWitt from Fireside Games, the makers of Castle Panic, um, are going to be up here um, in the next couple weeks, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And then we also have a couple of my buddies coming up. We're just going to talk about some of our fam 
favorite gaming moments in the future as well. So that's going to be good too. So, um, Ed, thank you once again. I really appreciate you taking the time. And everybody, please check out Scoville on Kickstarter. We'll have a link to it on our website. Thank you so much. And game on.